Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We're going to talk about the DC Comics that were released on the 3rd of April, 2019. But first, we have some news. Uh, this week, we got the first trailer for Joker, the new Todd Phillips movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. And uh, it's a trailer, boys. It's uh, it's something. I, I don't really know what to say. Um Vince, because you have in the past identified yourself as one of the three Jokers, I think we should start with you. What do you think of this trailer? How does it how does it strike you? I was uh, too scared to watch it. So okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, no, it's it actually looks pretty good. Um, I think like. You know me. I've talked on the on the show before about how the Joker story has been done to death, and um, you know the Batman versus the Joker in general is kind of uh, uh, played out. I think um, I wouldn't mind exploring some of the other aspects of the Batman mythos, but um, but really, obviously, we've never seen a Joker movie like this. I think, you know, they're, they're removing it from some of the Batman context in in a, in an effort to, I hate to say this, but like legitimize it as some (laughs) sort of, uh, psychic drama or something more than a superhero movie, which is, which is totally fine. I think DC has done that with their comics in the past. I think DC more so than Marvel. I mean, this doesn't necessarily make them better, but DC more than Marvel, um, takes chances with their characters as far as content and genre and um you know going back to the 70s and 80s they they were they were taking chances with different types of prestige comics and miniseries and versions of these characters and i think i think maybe we're seeing them be sort of the first to do that with their movies um and uh I mean, there's. I think the overall tone is is pretty perfect. I think Joaquin Phoenix is a hell of an actor, so I think he's gonna he's gonna nail it. I think there's things I don't like about it, specifically from the trailer. Um, f- for one, like I don't need to know anything about the Joker's mom. <laughs> um, Were there weird, uh, like, Oedipal relationship? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or anything, but. Um, but there's always the chance that the, it's like an a unreliable narrator situation, you know, but I think, I think any way you slice it, like I, I don't really need that much of a tragic origin for, for the character, you know, mm-hmm. but, but I guess if you make a movie about him, it's gotta be about something, right. It's not, it can't just be like total nihilism. Um, uh, what was that Oliver Stone movie? The, the name is escaping me. Um, Jumanji. No, 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 no. That's not Oliver Stone. Uh, no, check your IMDb. Nat- I think it is. Natural Born Killers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oliver I'll Stone, verify. right? I'll, I'll verify. <laughs> that that's a, um, you know, that could that could be a version of a Joker that's that's nihilistic and doesn't need an origin. Um, but I don't think I don't know if that movie plays. I don't know if that. Joe Johnston. Oh. Oh really? Of, of Captain America. First Avenger fame. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, for for Jumanji. 
Oh. Okay. I was right about natural born killers. <laughs> I God, know. You threw me for a loop there. <laughs> um, uh, uh, goofus yeah. and goofus and gallant. <laughs> and I think I think the uh, I think the the these like profound. You know, I, I'm I make fun of the like profound quotes like uh, well, I, f- I figured out my life was a joke or whatever, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, these things that are meant to be put on uh, posters that are sold at Hot Topic or at um, <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm you know what I'm saying? Some like kind of suicide squad. Yeah. yeah, that's a good quote, though. That's <laughs> it's a blessed Zach, quote. Talk, it's a blessed quote. Yeah. What? Zach, I said you talk for a little while now. Zach. I thought this was silly really <laughs> yeah i i i i like don't hate this but i kind of low-key do just because i hate like all the con- i'm i'm just anticipating all the conversations that are gonna stem from it that like oh, yeah like on a meta level i hate everything about this like i think it's just stupid like i hate that people are gonna be like talking about this joker movie like it's some artsy shit cinema this is this is true cinema um like oh i i just hate it and just this is cinema that's why this is podcast pod racing uh yeah you know now this is cinema um and like yeah this is just something that i don't i don't need like i don't think we need to glorify the joker any more than he already is i don't think you need a movie where he is some kind of like misunderstood protagonist anti-hero guy i even if he is like i he's not gonna be a good person but i i don't i just don't think we need that in 2019 and or ever and this is just going to feed into the people who already make youtube videos like uh Heath Ledger's Joker warned us about social justice warriors. Like this is just going to feed into that, and it's just going to be more of the hell that we already live in. Yeah, it's going to legitimize it even further. I feel like I, I mean everything you just said is absolutely true, but yeah, yeah. I feel like every one of us that writes for Multiversity is going to be at Thanksgiving dinner this year, and some well-meaning relative is going to be like, you know what movie I saw. The Joker, and then try and have a conversation with you about the Joker because they're me- they're well meaning and they're trying to find common ground between you and them. But you're just like, oh god, oh no, oh no, don't say anything, please walk away, just walk away now. And we're gonna have to all have that conversation with Auntie Jean or whoever about the Joker movie. Um, yeah, I also can't imagine any universe where like Zazie Beats is romantically interested in walking phoenix like <laughs> just does not compute um well you're the you're the kind of person that uh ha- has casted uh albert fleck out like a leper and uh yeah. I have. You, you you did this to him zach also you know what this movie just makes me think of and even more so because a martin scorsese ripoff because that's clearly what it is no, it makes me think of Gotham, the TV show. Um, Burn. And like, in its premise entirely, and especially coming in a week where we got to, like, the, the like, images of the Joker in that show were released, because apparently they're doing a time jump for the finale, 
or the sure. last season or something to actually have Batman and the Joker. And it looks awful. If you haven't looked it up, you need to treat yourself. Um, it's a it's a sight. It's a look. But like just having Joker coming up and making young Bruce do a smiley face and oh, I just don't want this in my life. I I I mean I I it would be so selfish of me to take this away from someone who would enjoy it. But I, and I rarely say I just wish media didn't exist, but oh, I kind of just wish this didn't exist. It's a hot take, my friend. I know. Um, I, the buzz around it was very positive, and I was surprised. Yeah. Um, as usual, I fall somewhere in between you two on this. Um, I, I think it looks like it, as, as craven a taxi driver era Scorsese ripoff as you could imagine. Like, everything Todd Phillips does is trying to evoke 1970, like, 3 to 1981 Scorsese. Just in every possible, um, you know, camera angle and choice. It's just, it's clearly a Scorsese ripoff. But that's, that's who he is as a director. He's not, he's not the most creative uh, the most visually creative director. So I can overlook that, I guess. Um, you know, I think Joaquin Phoenix is a magnificent actor. He's He has done some of my favorite roles of the last, you know, 15 years or so. I think her is is an incredibly, like, nuanced performance. I loved him in Inherent Vice. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's excellent. He's great. I think that it's very silly to try and make the freaking Joker into this like art house film, which is a funny idea to me. This seems as absurd as when, um, what was the name of that show? I should know the name of this show. <laughs> what show had fucking turtle on it on HBO? Entourage. Entourage. Yes. When, when Entourage this made this is Queens Boulevard. Is that yeah. Saying? Yes. No. 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 I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I'm saying that like when on Entourage when they were making an Aquaman movie, it was presented as like this is so silly because Aquaman doesn't fit into like the high cinema world. I feel like this is basically the Aquaman movie in Entourage. This is just like it's 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 a really weird fit for the world that we live in now to try and do this movie. Um, mm. But I have a secret hope for it. And that's that it's it's like a you know like a piece of like historical fiction I guess where there are there are elements of real life in there and that Arthur Fleck we can meet his brother Bela Fleck the banjo player and that he just like walks around like where's my brother playing some banjo and just you know it, we we get treated to a song or two in the middle of the movie it's like this joke Arthur told reminds me of a song and then plays insert Bela Fleck song here you know so. I'm hoping that's that's you know what happens in the movie. Um, Jeez. <laughs> what you don't you don't like the banjo all of a sudden? Come on. Oh man, that's Sufjan is crying. Sufjan is crying right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably no matter what, Sufjan is crying right now, but uh, specifically because you dissed the banjo. Su Sufjan playing Superman is the art house superhero movie that I've always. <laughs> Do you mean him physically playing Superman or him playing the song The Man of Metropolis Has Stolen Our Hearts? 
Both. Okay. It's like a Kurt Busiek uh, style. Um, retelling thing. Okay. Okay. Oh man, that's good. We have fun. Um, we have fun on this show. Yeah, we do. Um, I don't think anything that you guys. Yes, just there said, it is. That's yeah, it. There that's it is, the right. one. <laughs> Sufjan Superman. Uh, he dressed up like a clown for them. You know. That's, uh, uh, Underneath the floorboards, <laughs> the, the secrets I have hid. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Um, no, I don't. I don't. I think there. I think there's truth in everything you guys are saying, and I'm not saying that like. I'm not saying I'm into the idea of this movie. I just think this trailer itself was a lot better than I ever would have expected. And sure, and sure. and that's even and that's even saying that you're right that a lot of it is a ripoff of of other movies. Um Taxi Driver. Um I'm trying to think. There were there were a couple others that I identified while I was watching it and they're just escaping my mind now. But there's obviously homages to several movies um through the lens of the Joker and I think, you know, I think if you're self-aware enough to realize that this is not like super like in reality, super art house type stuff like that is going to be said about it because of the, it's funny that that will be said about it because of the character that it's about more than the type of movie that it is. But is, do you it, think you know that the I mean? filmmakers like, know it's not that? Cause I don't think uh, they know that. No, I don't think. No, I don't think they know that. No, 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 no. Um, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, the CBR and the reviewers are all going to treat it that way because, oh man, it's a Joker movie that manages to take itself a little seriously. You know what I mean? Um, How many headlines are we going to get? That's like the Joker is not very funny. <laughs> oh jeez. Comics ain't for kids anymore. You yeah, guys. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know, I mean, I loved Logan. I thought Logan was really good, and it like kind of tried to do what I feel like this is setting itself up to do a little bit. Yeah, but um, Logan had like ten plus years of. Wolverine stories. Oh, like we haven't had twenty plus years of Joker stories. No, no, but it, it's different here. Like this was this. There was goodwill built uh, up with Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, and people that's true. and people had a desire to see more of that. Um, I, I was at the Onion of the Hard Times that said uh, <laughs> Joker film reintroduces Joker to the same generation. <laughs> Like it was basically saying how every couple yeah. of years we get an. Like it's just it's there's no goodwill built up here. This this is not, this is not like the last chapter of something. Oh, this is the I I, like thirty fifth first chapter. Push, I would maybe push back on that a little bit, um, if only because like, I think much like Batman, like the just the fact that it hasn't been played by the same person doesn't mean that there's not continuity and obviously not obviously like not story continuity but thematic and culturally i think it's i think it's a different thing personally i think the batman and joker are so ubiquitous that like it it 
is less relevant that we haven't had a standard continuous portrayal. This is, in a lot of ways, the culmination of sure every Joker portrayal since Nicholson. How dare you leave out the good name of Cesar Romero? Well, okay, fine. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm fascinated by this. I would not be surprised if the movie is better than I expected, nor would I be surprised if it was a train wreck of ungodly proportions. I think it'll be better than I'm expecting. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) We're really taking strong positions tonight here on the DC3 cast. I don't know. Well, I, I okay. I'll I'll take a strong position. I think it's going to be the best movie ever, replacing <laughs> Nolan's Dark Freaking Night, which was the previous best. Of course, of course. And then and then Gladiator was second best, and <laughs> Dark Knight Rises was third. Um, how many freaking Donnie Darko's fourth? Okay. <laughs> what about where's the three hundred go? Um. That's one B. I'm guessing that you're not counting Watchmen as the best movie ever because it's already the best comic ever. You you, you want to give some other properties a chance, right? Well, the the movie's better than the comic. Well, obviously, but the comic is still the best comic of all time. <laughs> Which could never be better than a movie. But it I, is, I, know, I I I saw someone defending or or arguing. Um, the the reason that the Watchmen film is a masterpiece and that Z- Zack Snyder is a um, true auteur of cinema, um, he is because he um, did a shot-for-shot remake that completely subverted and reinvented the um, the themes and and underpinnings of the film and so that's why he's one of the greats mm. i mean it's, it's hard to argue nailed with that. it yeah nailed uh how many like references to other dc stuff is hidden in the joker is it like every frame of the screen has something else as in many it? as he could fit up there yeah yeah um have either of you watched teen titans go to the movies yet no no the I first don't watch movies the first like that. half hour of that movie Every every inch of the screen is a reference to something else in a in a <laughs> glorious way. It's amazing. My entire family was like laughing so hard we were crying watching it last <laughs> week. So it's the best DC movie ever made. Hands down. Wow. Yeah. Nice. You should all watch it. Is it better so better than like Lego Batman even? Um yes, I would say better than Lego Batman. Although Lego Batman okay. is number two. Yeah, better uh, than Superman. And uh, they're very different movies. Okay, okay, it's right up there though. It's you're it's, making you're just making a very big claim. I have to test you on it. it it's it's truly fantastic. I mean, um, like it, it's it's incredibly meta, and uh, <laughs> you know, and and it pokes a lot of fun at the DC extended universe within the movie. Which is fan. Like, there's a um, oh, what's the name of it? 
they, there's a poster for a movie called I think it's called Batman v Superman. Is it Cry for Boredom? Or oh, wow. it's it's something like it's something like that. Uh, and then there, drag them. Yeah, there there's another scene about how both their moms are named Martha. You know that's that's a joke. And then the whole premise is that the Teen Titans are mad that no one's made a movie about them, and like the Justice League is talking to them, and they're all saying how they've all had movies. And Green Lantern's like oh, they made a Green Lantern movie too, but we don't talk about that. So you know it's very self aware and just awesome. And yeah, everyone should go watch Teen Titans go to the movies. Anyway, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have another half hour of Joker conversation. I'm kidding. We'll have the comic reviews for the week. So, BRB. Hello, podcast listener. I'm Kevin. I'm Jess. And I'm Nick. And we are Make Mine Multiversity, a monthly podcast discussing all things Marvel Comics. Each month, we will be discussing Marvel news and looking at some of their major recent comic book or movie releases. We also look at older storylines, character histories, and Marvel's place in the overall comics market. We have a variety of perspectives. The recent Marvel fan. The jaded longtime reader. And the reader who's finally digging into Marvel's back catalog after a decade of avoidance. If you want to know what books made me cry this month. What books made me almost cry this month. And what books I wish would make me feel something. Check out Make Mine Multiversity, a Marvel podcast, the fourth Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcast, or your podcatcher of choice. And Make Mine Marvel. Multiversity. Multiversity. And we are back to talk about this week's comics. So let's get started with Deathstroke number 42, written by Christopher Priest, illustrated by Carlo Pagulayan. The second part of the Terminus agenda, the crossover between Deathstroke and the Teen Titans. Um, Zach, why don't we start with you? What did you think of this issue? I liked this issue quite a bit. Um, I am enjoying this crossover. Um, no, not a small amount. Um, the, the art was really good. I feel like I Paggy Lyon hasn't been on the book for a while, has he? It's mostly been um it was Panasaran or is that his Panasaran Panasaran for the last arc, yeah. Uh, they were sharing and duties at some point. They they have been. I thought I thought Panasaran was primarily on the last arc, but maybe Paggy Lyon has been as well. Um but yeah, I, I thought this issue looked really good. Um, it it was a little wordy, but not in an unenjoyable way. Um, mostly because the dialogue was kind of fun to read. The interplay between Slade and then and Kid Flash and Robin was good. Um, this arc feels like it's paying off on a lot of things, and I'm I'm just enjoying it and and excited to see where it's going vince would say you yeah i i love this we so we liked the first issue of of the terminus agenda last week right yeah um and as much as i liked that one i think i like this issue like 10 times more and it's because i think um you know adam glass did a solid job last week delivering a story that set up the terminus agenda but 
no one can compare to Christopher Priest when it comes to layering a story with layering a comic book story with a bunch of stuff that only comic books can do, you know, um, just like, well, let's talk about the ending. Like that, that's what I mostly mean where Slade is, uh, talking to Damien and he says he's going to fix him by letting Damien kill him. Yep. That is such a comic book ending that, you know, that's like, that's like, uh, silver age or, or even golden age, like ridiculousness, you know? Um, and, but it's, it's not just, it's easy to get to the last page and, and throw a twist in there that can't possibly be true to set up the next issue. And then it's going to be a disappointment. But the thing, the thing with Christopher Priest is that the, these twists are never disappointments when the next issue comes. They're, they're never what you think they're going to be, or they're never, uh, you know, whatever happened at the end of the last issue is not quite what's going to happen going forward, but he finds a way to make it not a disappointment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, and, and the other thing is that think about how much he's built this relationship between Damien and, and Slade over the course of his work with Deathstroke. Like to see that, to to see him dip in and out of using Damien and and every time he comes back to it it feels like it builds on what he's already done it's an unexpected relationship but it's one that he's really gotten everything out of i when he when 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 Slade and Damien are talking it almost is like Damien's talking to his second dad it really feels that way like legitimately feels that way and it's just a credit to the way that Priest writes the character, I think, and all the all the work he's done, that all the clear like care and time that he's put into this this ongoing narrative. I, I don't know how he does it. It's it's insane. What say you, Brian? This is incredible. This is such a good issue that I, I forget what you guys just said that it, that it plays off a lot of the stuff we've seen before. I think we both said that. Yeah. yeah, There, I mean, the, I want to say the first appearance of Damien in this book was in the first like seven or eight issues. Remember there was that, there was Mm -hmm. that like like Batman and Robin crossover issue, that crossover when they appeared in the issue together, you know, so that's, that's now, you know, four years, three, three years ago now was the first time that this really happened. And, we get little touches of that, of the Lazarus contract, of the Defiance stuff, of the relationship between Jericho and Slade. There are so many like little callbacks in here, but it doesn't feel like... And, that, and that's the biggest thing that I have been taking from this book lately. And forgive me if I've said this already on the show, but I feel like Priest is so good at interweaving stuff we've already seen in the comic but it never feels like we're not getting something new. Like this still feels like a new story, even though we're getting so many callbacks to old stories. And that's really special. And it's such a rewarding experience to be reading this book and to see all of the various threads coming together and making something brand new. The stuff with him and and Damien at the end is fantastic. 
the whole issue, even just like the the sort of MacGuffin in this issue, which is that the Teen Titans think they're taking down a criminal activity, but in reality, all they do is stop a criminal from turning himself in and inadvertently cause an explosion that could potentially kill lots and lots of people. Everything about this issue is so finely crafted, and Priest reveals just what he wants you to know at every turn, and it's just, the story unfolds in such a brilliant way. Man, I can't get enough of this book. So good. Mm-hmm. It is so good. I, I, it's so funny to me that a book that has a page with four editor's notes on it <laughs> would be as like satisfying and enjoyable it is and and it but it is and it and it and it does I only wish that that page would have had one stars, two stars, three stars and then four stars instead I do, of doing I do the, too. <laughs> instead of doing like the the one and two asterisks and then another one and two yeah. And like you said, Zach, Pack and Lion's art here is really good. Um, do you guys remember what his first DC book was? Tell us. No, you're very close. It, well, he did. He did um, Convergence. Was yeah, that his first? That was his first. That was the first book he came <sighs> over to do Convergence. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember if that was his first. I think so. Was the other person on that book Segovia? Yes. One of them, I think it may have been Segovia. Yeah, I think it was Segovia who did the um, the Multiversity Guidebook issue. I'd have to check on that. But I, I've liked. But that was after. Their, that was after. That was after. That was afterward. But I, I, I guess I was saying that too. Both of those artists like went on to have gone on to do things that I, I've really enjoyed, and I, I feel like their work is kind of underrated because they're kind of just these workman type figures for dc um they do very traditional superhero stuff too typically yeah yeah it it, but it always looks good yes um i mean the more we get the deeper we get in this book the more clear it becomes to me that this is, and I, I might have said this last time too, but this is going to be the book that we remember Rebirth by, in in terms of the best of Rebirth. Mm-hmm. It's going to be this book. I mean, it, this has been the most consistent title DC's put out for the last three years. Yeah, I mean, of the Rebirth era, I I think you know the other big one would probably be Flash, but it has not been as consistently great um but yeah i mean i know we all loved superman for a while um well and we and and i still do but it's like two different superman runs you know so yeah exactly yeah it's not this i mean when i think about like the at least the beginning and like the rebirth era i will still think of that but um deathstroke has just been that constant through line that has been consistently great the whole time and except for that except for that batman arc batman that bat arc is good deal with oh, it it's okay it's okay um <laughs> but what i was going to say is like it, what's even more amazing though about it is that you know we're talking about how consistent it is 
but it's been like three different books also. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like the Defiance stuff was really different than everything else was. And everything before that felt different. Everything after that, it felt different. But it all still feels like Deathstroke, you know? It's just, man, I could talk about this book forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. And I, I talked a little bit about this on Twitter today about how a lot of long-running books kind of overstay their welcome. And, and especially we'll have a really great second act, which I would argue defines was kind of the second act of this yes. Deathstroke book. And now we're kind of clearly in a in a third act. Um, you know, there who knows how many quote unquote acts that we'll have with this this book. I hope it goes on forever. Um, but this book has like not lost any steam at all. It's it still feels natural or and organic and never feels forced. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, our friend and uh, Zach's manga club co-host Walter Richardson and I were talking this week about like if somebody had never read DC Comics before, what are three runs that you would give them? to give them like a full sense as full a sense of DC as you could. And Deathstroke did not make my top three because I think it's a little bit too insular for what sort of we were trying to do. But I think if I wanted to, if I was trying to convince somebody that, you know, that there's still really good stuff happening at DC and Marvel today, or if somebody said like to find the last five years in superhero comics or whatever, Deathstroke would have made my list for sure. Um, But yeah. Uh, Walt and I actually came to consensus on what the three books would be we give people, if you guys are interested. Sure. Can I? Can we guess? Sure, yeah. I refuse to, so... Oh, now I only want Vince to guess. <laughs> All right. Um, it, 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 could, it could be like a miniseries, it could be an ongoing, it could be an event. Oh. Just like, but like three distinct things to give somebody and say, like, here's what DC Comics are all about. The New Frontier. Okay. No. Yes. Yeah, yes. No. no. Yes. I was saving it for the end, but if you want me to go along, yes, New Frontier is absolutely one of them. Interesting. Um. All Star <sighs> Superman. No. Oh. Well, you're wrong. So. <laughs> that that's um. Is there a Morrison book? Yes. But not how you'd expect. Oh, 52. Oh, correct. Okay, okay. Um... Uh, well, the other is, one is should, John's the other one should lantern be wrong. Sorry, say both, say both of those again. I couldn't hear either of you. Ben said Commandy. I said John's is lantern run. Neither of those is correct. Well, you're wrong. So, um... be, before I tell you what the third one was... Walt is the one who suggested um, New Frontier, which I I had not considered just because when he first posed the question to me, I was thinking of like incontinuity stuff, you know, mm. but he said like just to give people a sense of of who the Justice League are and can be, what's better than New Frontier? And yeah. he's not wrong. My initial uh, book along with 52 and the one we haven't mentioned yet was actually the Wolfman Perez Teen Titans. Because I feel like, and I've said this a million times, that the Teen Titans are like the cornerstone of the DC Universe, that they're all about legacy 
and uh, friendship and all of that. And uh, I said that you're that, so you're so on brand. I, I know I am. Well, wait till you hear the third fucking pick, and then I'm really on brand. And actually, Walt said it before I did. Oh, Starman. Yeah, exactly. Both of us think Starman though is the third one. Interesting. Um, just because we felt like that sort of picks up that legacy component also, but also when you think about how many characters come in and out of Starman, it's just it, it's it's a really good journey through a particular period of the DC universe. In a way that Fifty Two is also, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, yeah. So, so nobody said Future's End. <laughs> no, no, that, we were that... we, we were gonna do just the Convergence main series, not the tie-ins, but <laughs> we decided against that. Future's End is one of my favorite comics to forget and then remember exists. I believe that is now all on DC Universe. Oh, we didn't talk about the big DC Universe announcement. Yeah, 20,000 books by the end of April. It's good. It is good. good. Um, Again, just to to take you inside Walt and Brian's uh, G-chat conversations here, we were saying how you know we we were putting... The G-spot. Yes, the G-spot. That's the name of the segment. Welcome to the G-spot. I'm Brian, your host. Um. But Walt and I were talking about just sort of going through a bunch of the things that have been on our like want to read list for many years that we haven't been able to because just like availability or finding it or whatever. And we were saying that it seems like they have done a lot of filling in of the New 52 in there right now. And they've done a lot of filling in of the Silver and Bronze Age stuff. But that that sweet, sweet zero hour period is really lacking quite a bit still on there. Mm -hmm. And we're hoping that that stuff gets filled in soon. Man, I'm going to have to find some time between reading the current books and reading all that manga to go back and read some, some good DC comics. (laughs) Yeah. the, um, The reason I mentioned zero hour is there's a zero hour reading order on there where they have it like, aggregated these are all the books in zero hour uh what's funny about it is two things number one i consulted two other zero hour reading orders because of course i did and the dc universe one is definitely missing some books that other people consider essential but the funnier part is that they have not uploaded the third volume of green lantern on there yet so it has green lantern 55 listed but that's a comic from the mid 60s so you're reading you're reading zero hour stuff and then all of a sudden they go they jump you back to a very old comic because they forgot there were multiple volumes of that book mm. so okay real quick i don't want to derail the show too much i already have, we have so many it. books we have so many books to talk about this week um <laughs> do they not have that green lantern volume on there because of the pedo that wrote it oh, <laughs> You can't see me, but I'm violently tucking up my collar right now. Um, uh, changing subject. Um, <laughs> what are the first three things that you all will read once that goes up? Assuming that everything is on there. The um, the 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 comic book adaptation of Zack Snyder's Watchmen. Fuck you. <laughs> Just wait for for Lindelof's. 
God, that is going to be an albatross around my neck on the show for... Tie the hiccups again, motherfucker. I mean, the world very well might end. Uh, <laughs> and and we won't be through that, so... God damn. To be fair, you are the one who brought up Watchmen again. I know. You're not going to read Watchmen. No, I'm not. I, re- I read... We just read it, like, a year ago. So... So your oh. joke brought it up again. All right. Sorry. Um, okay. I, I will see. I, I don't really know what's on there. Presume everything's everything. on there. Okay. Well, I know what are, the th- what are the three things that are on your bucket list to check out that you haven't already read in its entirety? What's your next long form read that you're doing? Oh, I... Vincent. <laughs> You know, I've never, I've never read Crisis on Infinite Earths and all the tie-ins. Okay. Like I've never, I've never read everything that goes into that. There's a lot. But, but I'm gonna assume that they don't, they're not gonna have some of that stuff in there. But again, we're presuming that when they add the, these twenty thousand books, that they have everything you want. So. Okay, so we're making shit up. Okay. Twenty thousand is a lot of comics. Yeah, That's it is. Probably gonna it be is. most everything. I've probably read that many in my life. I would guess. I bet you have. Um, are we each naming one, or do I have to name all three right now? No, I don't, you don't even have to name three. Just... I mean, I have some real answers if you want. If you want go, to go to go somebody ahead. who's who's not go just uh, jerking us around. I, one of one of my favorite one of my favorite aspects of this show is uh, the segments where Brian asks us a question that he's prepared for and he's got the answers to already. And I didn't then... ask this question. <laughs> Zach asked this question. I, I asked this question. Okay. I'm. I haven't slept in a very. You know long what I love time. about this show? Yes. Those times when Vince casts a spell on us because he's a wizard, and this is what he does. Sorry, I'm just making shit up too. So, um, <laughs> anyway, uh, a run that I've been wanting to read for a long time is the John Ostrander Martian Manhunter run. Okay. Mm. So that would be one of the books. Um, my good friend and former podcast co-host Chad Bowers has recommended to me the like late 90s Hour Man series as one of the great uncollected DC works. So uh, I'll take Chad's recommendation for that. And, um, you know, it, it depends sort of how far back they're going with stuff. I would really like to read some of those real, real early Shazam comics, Captain Marvel stuff from like the 30s and 40s. But all of that is super racist, and because of that, it's very hard to find uh, because mm-hmm. they don't want to reprint it with good reason. But what fascinates me about Captain Marvel is that there was a large period of time, a couple of years, where those stories were outselling Superman stories. And so I'd be really interested to read those stories and sort of figure out what made them so successful, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess those are the first three I'd read. Um, Zach, do you have uh, an answer to your own question? When, I do. When I get, before I get yelled at again for asking a question I didn't ask? I do, I do. Yeah, so my three, assuming that they are going to be on there, um, I'm, I'm want to read, I want to read Starman because I have read like the first two volumes worth of the, from those Omnibuy collections. Mm-hmm. Um, but then those went out of print and got really hard to find. Uh, so I want to read that finally, just so, so I can talk to you about it. Um, 
I want to read something Legion related, and I I just can't decide if I want to start with the Giffen five years later run or do the uh, the run that preceded that, um, and then go into that. But something Legion related, and then my third pick is a great piece of uh, mid two thousands ephemera that I just never got around to reading, and that is. Uh, countdown. Oh, you're not missing much of the countdown. I want to do it. <laughs> I I want to do it. I'm have always been sad that I never read it, and I just want to know how bad it is. Okay, I, I I've have read every other weekly series except for that one. Damn, uh, so, you have. So Zach, I'm just saying it's not quite done yet, but they have the first sixty issues of Starman. Oh, they do already on DC Universe. Yeah. Oh, well, then I'll get started. There are 81 in the original run, plus there's a 80-page giant. There's an annual or two. Uh, there is a Shade miniseries that ties in, not the New 52 one. Right, um, yeah. But there, there's, so there's a couple of things that may not be on there yet, but they have the first 60, plus they have like the Zero issue, the Secret Files, the 80-page giant, uh, the Starman, the Mist issue, and the first annual as well. So, All right. Yeah. So sorry, Vince. Go ahead. Okay, I have my other two answers. Okay, what I was wanna, the first I one? I want to read Crisis, right? Yep, Crisis and all the tie-ins. I want to read uh, uh, all the any all the Wildstorm stuff. I want to do a chronological oh, Wildstorm. I didn't even think about that. Okay, scrap all my answers and <laughs> insert Wildstorm. Well, he, well, here's my question: Do they have the rights to the original Wildstorm stuff? They that's well, they have some 1999. Wildstorm stuff on there right now. Right, but but do they there's, have... There's going to be some stuff they don't have, I'm sure. There's a lot on Comixology already. But but you said, just assume they have everything. Okay. Yeah, because that... because we don't know. Right. I, I guess... Whatever, whatever they have, I want to read. How about sure, that? okay, fair. All right, and then my last one is Doom Patrol, but all the stuff after Morrison that I've never read. Uh, like, I think Rachel Pollock, and then... Um, John Arcudi mm -hmm. had a run, and I think John Byrne was either before or after Arcudi. Um, I've never read that stuff, and I don't know if it's good or bad, but I want to read it. We really need to uh, get this Patreon content going so we have time to read all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> Like getting a Patreon all of a sudden grants us time to do this. Well, no, getting a Patreon where we're each paid fifty thousand dollars a year ah, to yes, read yes. comics all the time will will free up our time from other things. That's yes. true. Yeah, silly me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's um, let's dig into the next book, which is what do we have next here? Uh, Female Furies, number three, written by Cecil Castellucci, illustrated by Adriana Mello. Vince, you wanted to talk about this book, so I'm going to let you start. Yeah. What's, up, um, what's the deal with Female Furies? <laughs> what's the deal? Why are, why are they so furious? Um, I, I really like this book a lot. Um, I think the Adriana Mello art is magnificent, and I and I say that every time her name is on a book, I think I, I bring it up. It's probably the first thing that always strikes me about a book. You, you know, usually 
she hasn't been on like a big time book yet, right? Um, so like a lot of times I a lot of times I read these books and that's the first thing that stands out to me is how much I like that art. But but what Cecil Castellucci has done in in crafting this um very fantastical look at the world the world of sexual assault right and i don't mean to make that sound like uh like it's some, some mystical magical world but like applying that to the new gods is what i'm what i'm saying right right is so tragic and rings so true like uh, this issue is heartbreaking like at the end when Barda's got Arlie Arlie's like legless body in her arms um that really got to me it was one of the first times in a long time that a comic has actually like physically gotten to me mm-hmm. you know um and i just think like is it over the top i uh, i don't know i mean it's it's the new gods right like they put uh, molten boots on her and melted her legs off. That's, that's yeah, that's fantastical. But in the world of the new gods, that that rings true as a brutal punishment that these otherworldly people would inflict on a dissenter. And somehow Cecil, like, made that work as an emotional, you know, it it very easily could have come off as silly, is what I'm saying. And it doesn't at all. Um, I'm not articulating myself very well on on that point, but but I think you know what I mean. Sure. Um, uh, so so yeah, the, the this book kind of like got to me this 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 week. So, um, what did you guys think? Zach, go ahead. Well, I'm going to confess, I actually didn't read this issue this week. Okay. Um, But that sounds awful, and gosh, I don't know if I want to. Like, that just sounds very depressing. Sorry I I spoiled the leg thing for you. That's okay. I forgive you. Um, Uh, Well, I guess I'll talk about a thing, because I did read the book. Um. You know, Vince, you're not wrong in any of that. I, I just feel like each issue that has gone by on this series has doubled down on the initial concept in a way that gets sadder and sadder and more heartbreaking. But I feel there's very little new that happens in any of these issues. Mm. That, that This issue in particular, until the bit where you see how Scott and Barda met, and again, sorry, Zach, for spoiling a book you were supposed to read. Um, it's uh, I do not care. And... Uh, you know, but aside from that, I just felt like this is, I mean, it's certainly taking the the terrible actions of the men in this book up a notch each issue. But to me, it's just, it, it hasn't said too much new yet. Like, if the point of this book is to get me to better understand granny goodness and the female furies and all that then the first issue told me as much as any other issue did Mm. and so while it's not bad by any stretch and while i am certainly happy to read it i just feel like it's it's somewhat underwhelming 
because that and maybe that's just maybe the book's just a sort of a victim of its own success that first issue was so moving and so viscerally upsetting that that just just doing a louder version of that each week isn't doing as or each month rather isn't doing as much for me sure yeah i i actually i think there's some truth to what you say because um if you were to ask me to recall specifically what happened in issue number two i'm not sure i could today and Mm -hmm. i'm i don't think i'll ever forget what happened in issue three here because it's so extreme but but having said that i think there is something to the idea that that narrative ground is being retread thematic ground is being retread and that maybe these three issues could have been two issues or something like that Ah. um (laughs) it was literally a pop-up ad on my computer for a game i have never heard of before uh, yeah, Mario. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like a it's a it's a gambling game. It's one of those games that's like uh uh y- your aunt invited you over and it's like one of those sexy anime games. <laughs> no, it, it it's like DraftKings or something. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Something Vince does the, try, the gambling try, there. try to last 30 seconds into this game. <laughs> Well, you you can edit this out, and we won't we won't make fun of you. No, it's fine. It's it's it's, it's a DraftKings ad. This is what I get for uh, updating my fantasy baseball lineup during the show. I guess so. <laughs> Shut your laptop screen right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, p- point point taken. I yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's not bad by any stretch. It's just. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of wish it was a little bit more than it is, I guess. Um, sure. Though I, I do want to bring you guys, you're bring your attention to something that that is definitely DC Comics related, but is not related to anything we're talking about tonight. Which is, uh, I believe this is a CBR exclusive. No, it's not. It's just 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 CBR news. Okay, so we can share this. We're not breaking their exclusive agreement. But um, so a, a fan had tweeted to, at Tom King. And I'm going to read his his tweet exactly. All right, man. I want to stay on board with Batman. Picked it up around issue 56. But I need to know this is going to start making sense soon. And so what Tom King did was Tom King basically summarized his run so far in one tweet. Mm-hmm. And I want you guys to tell me if you think this is an effective summary of Tom King's run so far. Batman is sad because Selina, with a push from Bane, left him at the altar. Bane is trying to make him even more sad in order to break him. As part of this plan, he's subjecting Batman to a series of nightmares. Um, no. No. I think that leaves out like half the book. Yeah. Which means he's not really writing at all. Got him. (laughs) Did you see my response to that? I did not, no. Oh, I, I screen capped the part that said, uh, <laughs> here I am describing a tweet on our show. Very thrilling stuff. I screen capped the part that said, Tom King summarizes his Batman run so far in a single tweet. And then I posted Drill's tweet where he just says no. Okay. <laughs> you, mu- you must have been doing this on Facebook, right? Or some other social platform? Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm sure. not on Twitter. Right. Uh, so. Um, hey. <laughs> 
Vince <laughs> and our, Brian. This is my favorite running bit. Um, so all of Sleeper and the first volume of The Authority are on the DC Universe app right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember a thing about Sleeper. Neither do I. I've never read it. I've never read it. So I'm put that on my list. Also, Point Blank, which is apparently a lead-in to that that I didn't know ever existed. Um, looks like the first 12 issues of so or so of the original Wildcats is on there. Um, no Stormwatch. I want to read that stuff so bad. Um, let's see. In fact, when you search Stormwatch, the only thing that comes up is Future's End issue number four. <laughs> um, um yeah you know if we if, if dc ever really bottoms out and we don't want to read their books anymore we should just do a a, a wildstorm podcast i would love that planetary is on there oh, baby. in its entirety oh, planetary was my favorite book pick for the multiversity five-year anniversary mm. i remember that what was mine brian uh, I I didn't edit the video, and I don't believe you oh, say. Oh yeah, sure, okay. No, All I right. didn't edit the video. Matt Malikoff did. And okay, I don't but you that... remember Zach? So well, I remember you said your favorite character was Spider Man in that video. And the way <sighs> you I? said the way you said it was you just drank from a Spider Man mug. Well, that's right. Okay, you remember that. So don't right. give me shit for not remembering. Well, I thought maybe you'd remember because two of us had the same one, and we had to be put back to back because. Oh really? Uh huh. Oh, was it Calvin and Hobbes? Yeah, yep. Okay. AKA so. the best comic of all time. Uh, yeah, I know it is. Uh, um, I think you're mispronouncing Donny, Earth Donny 2 Dark World's Rose End. Too. Earth yeah. 2 World's End, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fight, Fight Club is uh, three. Of course. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get to Justice League number twenty one, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Um, boys, I loved this issue. I don't know how you guys are gonna feel about it, and that's why we did the show so we can have differing opinions. But I thought that this issue did a really good job of a few things. First of all, Snyder has been saying for a while that the World Forager was gonna be you know, a, a part of the future plans of this book. And so we finally get that. I loved the conversation between Dick and Bruce in the future. Or not in the future, in this like alternate reality. Mm-hmm. I thought this issue had a lot of really interesting stakes in it. I thought it felt like, a, like an honest continuation of the story that Snyder's been telling, but it also felt like a new twist on it. I I really, really love this issue. And the reason I loved it so much beyond everything else is just how fucking beautiful Jorge Jimenez's art is in this issue. Jimenez is on a totally different level here. He does that like mecha uh, uh, Mitzelpitalik, just just destroying the city. He also draws that super cute half Martian, half hawk baby. Um, <laughs> Mitzelpitalik destroys the city. Yeah. <laughs> destroys liberal city (laughs) facts and logic yeah um i also loved how that page like it was basically how he was uncreating everything and so you got a little bit of that like duck a muck vibe with the pencil being destroyed (laughs) 
Yeah. So I, I always that was dig, good. I always dig a Duck and Muck reference. Um, and then the last page reveal I thought was really great. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of this issue? Uh, you mind if I go first? Because I think Zach is probably going to have more to say than me. You go first so that maybe I might get to say as usual. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked this a lot. And, and the one that, I mean, I echo everything you said, Brian, especially the Jorge. I mean, this is the Jorge Jimenez show. And it has been, I mean, Rebirth has been that, I think, in some ways. Uh, when you talk about quintessential rebirth books and you talk about Deathstroke, if you talk about quintessential quintessential rebirth artists, Jorge Jimenez has to be up there, right? I, I think he's probably the one. Yeah. Yeah. Um so having said that, the the thing that I really liked about this issue is that, and maybe it's just because I didn't read any of the Snyder interviews uh going up to it. Um I was actually surprised that the world forger was that gold Superman was the world. Forger. Oh yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't Snyder didn't say that that was going to be a thing. Sure. You know, he, he mentioned the world forger sort of coming back later on in the story and all that. You know, I didn't suspect it either. Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, uh, I had no idea who it would be. I guess I just expected that it would be a, a different corrupted version of Superman or whatever. So to, to actually, to actually be surprised by a comic book in 2019 <laughs> and have that surprise actually hit you and, and delight you in some way. Like I, I was actually tickled by that reveal, uh, which is not something that happens in comics anymore. Um, uh, it's not like this was a character's death or anything that would need to be telegraphed by the media in advance because that's how we do things these days. Um, it's not like it was that big of a reveal, but it was still this this mystery that I wasn't expecting uh, to even be a mystery, and then and then to have the answer revealed in this issue was was kind of delightful to me. So, Zach, what do you have to say? I did enjoy this issue. I think it is probably my favorite issue of the arc so far. Um, I also did not know a thing of this of the world forger reveal in fact i i had seen the cover you know when it was solicited or at least a few months ago um with the world forger um on there but i i just thought it was like some kind of weird um recolorization of like despero because he kind of on that cover looks a little Despero-esque to me for some mm -hmm. reason. I, I don't know. That's just what I thought. Um, yeah, I um, I think it's interesting. I, I'm I'm still I don't know. I I'm I'm speechless. I'm left speechless. I don't really know like what I think about this issue, I don't really know how I'll, how I will feel about it until I know how it's resolved. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, uh, I get that. Is there I, a particular reason why? I just... 
don't know. Like on one hand, this issue, it, it could kind of go both ways. This could be like a, you know, pivot point for the story where we are like really making headway into whatever this like major, um, what whatever the story Snyder and company are brewing, or this could kind of be a wheel spinning arc a little bit because it's a make-believe world type thing. Sure. So I'm just kind of interested to see where it goes. Um, because we actually don't necessarily learn anything new here within the context of the overarching plot with you know the destruction of the multiverse and everything, other than this is a potential Band-Aid or a potential solution, resolution to everything that they obviously aren't going to take. Um, and if they do, there will be some kind of caveat or, um, you know, super dickery going on. <laughs> I love that term. It's good. But, uh, the missile pedalic stuff is so good. Um, Jaro is also good. Um, yeah, the bit with the reality being kind of undone on the page is really good. Jimenez's art is fantastic. Um, I do really like some of these. Um, I, I liked the way the um, the Martian Hawk baby was used in this. Um, he's a cool character. Um, I don't particularly know how I feel about the Lois reveal. Again, that's kind of something that I want to see where it goes and kind of get that um expanded upon but yeah otherwise i i did enjoy this issue what i like about the lowest reveal is i feel like snyder and a couple other creators i feel like this this is the first year the first year is the wrong way to put it the first like i think rebirth is the first time in a long time that people are treating lois as importantly as i think she deserves to be treated and so having her as like a key element of this, I think is really cool because I'm tired of Lois not being featured as as much as she should be in DC Comics. Like she's she's one of the four or five most important characters in DC Comics and needs to be treated as such. All right, I guess I'll go fuck myself. Okay. Yeah, please do. Okay. No, you're right. You're right. All right. Um, you're right. Anything else to say about Justice League? When you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. I'm not always right. Uh, let's talk about the Green Lantern, though. Number six, written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Liam Sharp. I love, 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 love the pulpy subtitles these issues keep getting. <laughs> yeah. Powering against Blaster. In a duel to the death with Adam Strange. <laughs> so perfect. Um, I, I I only have one real thing to say about this, and it's minor, so I'm going to save it for the end. So, Zach, why don't you start off this one? Oh, this issue was really, really good. Um, again, some super dickery. 
going on with the the Adam Strange fake out, but I thought the lead up to all of that was just fantastic. Uh, I Sharp's art on this just feels so pulpy. Um, perfect, perfect match for uh, an Adam Strange centric story. Um, the the pacing and the way the duel played out was just perfect. Um, Ah, man, everything about this issue was just great. I loved the page. I, I'm i not sure how it looks in print, you know, the way it was laid out on the PDFs. I, I can kind of imagine how I think it was, but where on, on one page you have uh, Controller Mew's face on the bottom, and then on the next page you have Hal's face and profile on the top, uh, or just, not in profile, but just like half of his face. Um, I feel like those two pages side by side would look really good with each other. Um, and then just the resolution to this issue, which kind of closes out this arc. Um, it just, it, I, I just thought it was pretty close to a perfect issue. Wow. Vince? Yeah, I love this book. Uh, I love this issue. Everything Zach just said, from the from the pulpy art to the, I mean, it really looks like it's like some old, um, it, it like some old like uh, John Carter art or like old. Yes. Yeah, you know, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying. Um, uh, exactly. Yeah, it's like the cover to one of those. Yep like little novels. Yeah. yeah yep. Absolutely. Yep. Um, uh, I love that they have an old West showdown 10 paces in turn. Um, I love the part where uh, they think Adam strange is dead and they call for the department of salvage to come uh, take his superior Terran organs and reproductive potency. Um, and I love the ending when they go inside the, when they end up inside the ring, when it's, it's, only Morrison, right? I mean, who else does this but Morrison? Right. It's and I don't think it can be overstated. Like I kind of feel like this run is flying under the radar just compared to everything else that's going on at DC, but month in, month out, it's it's the best, most imaginative, most gorgeous looking, most comic book most morrison thing you could ever want and that's what i want so <laughs> i love this book it's my favorite book now at dc i mean this this or the wild storm or deathstroke i don't know those are three very good books those are three yeah. very good books and three very different books yeah so yeah. different this issue is great i i love this issue for all the reasons you guys said um i love how Morrison and Sharp are playing with not just formalism in, at times, but specifically going after tropes and cliches and, you know, all the, like even just them having, like, Hal and Adam having to walk ten paces and then turn and shoot is, like, clearly right out of a Western. But when Morrison builds that stuff into his stories... He, he creates the world around it with such care and such craftsmanship that while you definitely know that's an Old West trope, it doesn't feel like he's just winking at the audience with this stuff. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's 
like it, it belongs in this world. It's just such a well-crafted book. It's great. The one note I was going to make though is, and again, this, this could be, you know, just all sort of hand wiped away and rebirth stuff, but isn't in new continuity, a lot of strange, I don't want to say African-American cause she's not from earth, but isn't she dark skinned? Honestly, I, I don't know that. I, I think so, yeah. That, that so, was Injustice League United. Yeah, I think she was. Um, but again, this take on her is like straight out of the 60s. Yes, 50s agreed. 60s. Um, Still don't like her being white, whitewashed, if that's what happened here. Yeah. I'm actually surprised I have not seen anybody talk about this, but yeah, probably I, I, because everyone already forgot about new 52, <laughs> anything related to new 52, Adam strange. Well, um, in fact, I, I did not even re remember. I, I forgot that that book existed. The best iteration of that book was the last like five issues that Jeff Parker did. I forgot that that happened. I don't even think I finished that actually. Those are not collected either. I I recently when I when I really purged my comic collection, I kept all those issues because they're good. Was did did Travel Foreman do the art for those? Maybe no. I think Travel Foreman did the art for the early Lemire ones. That maybe that's it. Okay. I think McCone, Mike McCone, was drawing that book at some point. He was. was he was. Yes. He was at the end of Lemire's run, oh. I think. Um, but but like when Parker took that book over, it became like Justice League Task Force kind of, mm -hmm. where there was a really big lineup of heroes, and like each mission would take three or four of them. And I'm a I'm a sucker for that stuff. Yeah. And we we are just reminiscing left and right tonight, but that's okay. Yeah, let's let's close out our conversation tonight with Young Justice number four, written by Brian Bendis, illustrated by Patrick Leeson and John Timms. Uh, we get sort of, I guess, the most complete picture of Gem World so far in this book, uh, and a fair amount of Amethyst stuff. We also get um, a lot of, of sort of, you know, classic Bart and Connor stuff together. Uh, we also find out that the only name anyone ever names a child in the DC universe is Martha. <laughs> and by far the most important thing to Vince, we find out Amethyst is a Packers fan. That's right. Yes. Oh, my goodness. When favorite, that happened. Favorite issue of the week. <laughs> uh, it, real quick, it was Foreman. It was okay. Yeah. Um, and those first few issues had Tony Harris covers. Yeah, they did. Uh, but anyway, um, Vince, do you have more to say outside of Packers business? Um, that was a dark day to be a Packers fan today. <laughs> so I don't really want to talk about it very much more. Talking about the comic? No, no, I'm talking about being a Packers fan in general. Yeah, no, but can we talk about the comic? 
<laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yes yeah i can okay. yeah no it was great um i really liked all five issues that we featured today and i think you know this was right up there just under green lantern i think as my favorite issue of the week and i think it's because it's finally bringing this i mean finally it's only been four issues <laughs> but like it's bringing this team together in a way where now it doesn't really feel like anybody's getting the short shrift um it, it you know it feels like we're it feels like we're getting con back feels like we've got bart back you know they're 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 folded in now um and aside from all of that i just loved the the art and the design of the gem world stuff from uh i think both gleason and tims have gotten a, a chance to draw gem world scenes throughout this run right like i think tims Tim's handled like some of the flashback stuff in this one, right? I believe all the flashbacks. Yes. Stuff. Yeah, but then in previous issues, Gleason, like we had not seen Tim's before on this book, right? Right. Okay, so I think the design work from both of these guys on the Gem World stuff is so good. It's like, um, it reminds me of like an '80s fantasy, uh, like a like a like a Don Bluth movie or something, you know, like, um, it, it hits this sweet spot for me. You just want just to talk about like, Buckaroo Banzai more. I do, I do. Yeah. Yes, I do. I do. Patreon content, Buckaroo. Um, I just like this book a lot. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything. I'm, I'm not articulate tonight. <laughs> I'm on very little sleep. I, I want to, I want to stress that. I'm on very little sleep. <laughs> this issue is good. Go pack. <laughs> it is good. Um, probably the best issue so far. I feel yes. like that's kind of safe to say. Um, this this team is just really great. Um, I feel like a lot of time with team books, I get more excited about the the team than like the actual story or content of the book. Um, and I'm always disappointed when the team doesn't really get to interact in any meaningful way because of the focus on the plot and um, you know, it is nice to get the moment here with the original Young Justice characters and then just that page with them all hugging and then the three new characters underneath, like, kind of highlighting the new and the old. I don't know. I'm, I'm really excited about it. And, and I feel like Bendis is a, someone who has historically done team books fairly well. Uh, at least in the way that I like, Bendis likes to focus on the character and interactions more than the story. And I think I enjoy that in a team book. Yeah. Um, I only really, I guess I have two things to add. This is a very good issue. I enjoy seeing the, the band back together as it were. All that is very true and good. 
I'm uh, I was a little taken aback by Robin showing up in the flashback in Gemworld, and I'm interested to see how that plays out. I think that's I think that's actually the most interesting thing that Bendis has done so far. I'm not saying it's my favorite thing he's done so far, but just in terms of, from a from a plotting standpoint, I think that's a really unexpected twist. I I can't remember what. The... I thought that that was kind of where Tim ended up when he got dragged into Jim World was he he was like the first one to interact with Amethyst, but I really yeah. can't remember. That's true. Yep. Yeah. Um. But I, I just mean it in terms of like storytelling. I I think that it's the first. I, I if if I were looking at this team and who I would put as the sort of the the first person through the through the wall, as it were. I would not have mm-hmm. picked Robin. I really like that pairing. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Like I, yeah. I, I think that's a really interesting um, duo to put together in this book. Uh, that's my first comment. My second comment is, I'm a little bit surprised at how natural this group feels because I think we all know those those four original characters. And we were all excited about how how they were going to fit in together, but I think like Jenny, Ginny Hex, and um, and Teen Lantern, and Amethyst are all characters that, while they are young, that's about all that we knew about them. Slash, um, not I mean we knew more about Amethyst. I guess what I'm saying is that I didn't think that that the old characters and the new characters would blend together as well in a team and. I think they've blended together very well so far with minimal like forced interaction from Bendis. You know, it just the book's just coming together really nicely. It's very mm-hmm. good. It's very good. This was a good week, guys. I know if only all weeks could be this short. Yes, that's it's, too. It's good when you only read the good books. Yeah. Well, there weren't that many other books to read, which we'll get to right now because we have to do our lists. So uh, on the good list this week is Adventures of the Super Sons, another Hex family story. Uh, on the okay list, we have Harley Quinn. We have uh, the bad list, which is also known now as the Jay Nitz list, that has Suicide Squad Black Files. And on the Sandman Universe list, we have The Dreaming, um, a book I do want to get back to at some point in my personal reading. Vince, we have one more fan favorite segment to get to. Ask Dr. Stupid. Yes, <laughs> that's a, that's a that's a I know it's a reference, reference, of course, which we're not allowed to do anymore. No, we're not. Um, John Kay's canceled. Yes, that's right. He's canceled. The, he, the John Kay list. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Batman number sixty-eight. Well, we'd say what this is. This is what's coming out next week. So <laughs> you just they they get it by now. They get it. We just go right into it. Every week we have hundreds of new listeners. <laughs> And and hundreds of the drop off. Exactly. That's, that, like, that's why our numbers look consistent. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're nothing if not consistent. Okay. Batman number sixty eight. Batman who laughs. Uh, Catwoman. Detective Comics one thousand one. Uh, the Flash. Hawkman. House of Whispers. Justice League Odyssey. Red Hood and the Outlaws. Well, Justice League Odyssey already. Yeah. We just had that last week. Uh, the finale of Scooby Apocalypse, which I believe we, we have made to some read. sort of blood, yes. blood pact. We did. Uh, we did. 
Roll, roll. Jinkies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Supergirl, Superman, uh, Titans 36, Wonder Twins 3, and Wonder Woman 68. So Cracker the, Jack of a week, boys. Yeah, it's the finale of both uh, Titans and uh, Scooby Apocalypse. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, well, we'll find out which is better. Yeah. Well, we all know Red, Red Hood will be the best book of the week, so. <laughs> you son of a... You can check out the exclusive preview of that over at multiversitycomics.com. Okay. <laughs> how how often do we luck into that, by the way? Like a, a Red Hood preview? Not that often, unfortunately. No, to like mentioning the one that's the, our exclusive preview on yeah. the show. We somehow accidentally do that quite a bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I can't wait to read more Arkham Knight stuff. I'm actually very excited because... I just want to know Batman. I want to know more about the Batman. And I like Brad Walker art when we get it. And I'm excited for this one issue that he's going to do. I, I am taking it upon myself to really like read that issue with a fine tooth comb and to find a different weird owl song for us to reference instead of Amish paradise, which we did last week. Um, so <laughs> I'll report back to you guys. Okay. Um, I will also make the same effort and to see if we get the same Weird Al song. Uh, this this is a fun game, Vince. You in? Sure. Yeah, baby. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Zach, you're on Twitter. Where are you on Twitter? I am at Wilker Fox. And I am at Brian Needs a Nap. And Vince is... Uh, as we all know. At the Joker, man. <laughs> you're just coming out and saying it now? I'm but, not. But you're not. Yeah. No, I am. I'm, I'm at Lay underscore Joker, man. I thought you changed it. <laughs> Shut up, Zach. <laughs> I didn't say what you changed it to. We're doing a bit here. Uh I almost during during our Joker trailer discussion, I was starting off to say, "Well, as the Joker man, you should start this one off, Vince." But I, uh, I caught myself. But then I realized I didn't have to catch myself because he changed it. So, uh, well, I really thought maybe I was wrong. Uh, Who's this guy you've been interacting with yeah. all these? Oh man! No, what I was going to say very is very similar opinions to, to you. What I was going to say is if you need Vince, you can find him uh, bathing his mother in a bathtub. Wow. Wow. All right. It's from the Joker trailer. Yeah, I know. I know. Doesn't make it any better. It also doesn't make it any worse. Yeah, it does. (laughs) All right, guys. Enjoy your comics. We'll see you next week. Enjoy your funny books. We're not robots from tomorrow. (laughs) Not so funny anymore. (laughs) Uh, yeah, okay. Alright, we're done here. I did have two beers, though. Oh, man. So. Did somebody call 911? Did you call 1820, too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>